Okay, I think we are live on Facebook. Um, that was calling 911. That's a that's a song that I wrote to support awareness around domestic violence. And my name is Jasmine Sandler. I want to welcome everyone for being on today. It's a very critical and important issue that we're going to tackle today. I am not the expert, so I brought in three experts on the subject of domestic violence, um, how it affects families, women, children, and we're going to talk about that today and how these three ladies are involved in helping with this effort. So I'll start by just uh, letting everybody know a little bit about Warrior Women in Business. I'm sure there's folks on today that have never uh, listened to the podcast or attended one of our Warrior Women in Business events. So Warrior Women in Business is a podcast event series and conference that I produce and manage. And the whole purpose of it is to help women in business come together uh, in a mentoring mentee uh, situation, as well as provide them with opportunities for business development. And then there's a whole piece of it on helping women in general. And I have a real passion for helping uh, women in the home. I grew up in a family of domestic violence and I think it's a subject that gets overshadowed uh, many times. And uh, now, as we were talking about pre-show today, uh, unfortunately, I think right now, because everyone has a stay-at-home order, it's something that's just become visible in the media. And I wanted to make people more comfortable and let folks know what um, support is out there, what resources are out there, so they're not afraid. Uh, again, my name is Jasmine Sandler. Uh, I run a company called JS Media. And we, our primary focus is, is helping women develop in business. So uh, that being said, I'd like to introduce our three panelists today. I'm going to start with uh, Jennifer DeCarly, uh, who is on, she's waving here, um, straight from the uh, mayor's office. Uh, the mayor's office to end uh, gender-based and domestic violence is the group that I worked with to put together an event on December 9th, where we raised awareness. We had a silent auction. We had a show, it was great. Um, and that was just one small thing. We wanna do a lot more um, to help um, women and help families that are you know, burdened by domestic violence. So I have Jennifer on. I have Catherine Manning on, if you wanna wave, Catherine. So Catherine is coming in from Washington, DC. Uh, she was just introduced to me by a dear friend of mine, Le Leslie Grossman, who does a lot to support women globally. And I was very excited. Um, Catherine is a nationally recognized expert on victim rights and services um, as a senior attorney advisor with the executive office for the US uh, attorneys for 15 years, she advised the justice department on the most challenging victim issues. It causes ranges from terrorism to large scale financial fraud to, to child exploitation. So you see, it's not just a small issue. Unfortunately, it's a big issue. So thank you for, for being here today. And then I have the lovely Luisa Diaz Brown here. You can wave, Luisa. And so Luisa is amazing. Um, Luisa is the founder and CEO of a gala that raises money for uh, Safe Passage. And she also is just really someone that believes like me in the power of bringing women together to end domestic violence. Uh, I was actually involved in her gala last year at the Cutting Room. It was just a tremendous production. And I'm excited to have you on, Lisa. So, thank that you. Being, yep. So that being said, I'm going to kick right into the questions. Um, so just to let all the, the Facebook audience know, uh, the the questions here will last about 40 minutes, and then we will go right into audience Q and A. So you can use the chat box in Facebook Live to type in any of your questions that we'll answer at the end. 
So question number one is um, domestic violence is an issue that's personal many times. As I know, as honestly, Louisa and I, when we first jumped on the phone, we're crying to each other. It's just, <laughs> so, it's so personal, you know? Can each of you, and I'm gonna start at the top. So if the, you two could go on mute until I call you. Um, can each of you talk about why and how you personally got involved with supporting the end of the problem of domestic violence? So Jennifer, I'm gonna start with you. Sure. Um, so first, I just want to say thank you, Jasmine, for inviting our office to participate in this really important um, podcast today. Um, you're exactly right that we are all under stay-at-home orders across most of this country, and you know, staying home is not actually safe for so many people out there. And so, I really appreciate you calling attention to this really important issue. Um, as Jasmine said. I work for the Mayor's Office on Domestic and Gender-Based Violence. Um, it's a mouthful, we say NGBB. <laughs> um, and I am an assistant commissioner there, which basically means I oversee the city's five family justice centers. Um, and really for me, you know, domestic violence is such a personal issue. And I myself experienced teen dating violence when I was in high school and college. Um, and so I think I saw from a very young age um, how easy it was to get trapped in these type of controlling relationships. And so as I went forward in my school and went through college and then went to law school eventually, I really wanted to use the law for good um, to really um, lift up survivors and really help them utilize the law in a way that could help them escape these situations when they felt ready to do so. Um, and so I've dedicated most of my professional career to doing that. And it really came from that place of it, it happened to me. It can happen to anyone. You're exactly right. Well, thank you, Jennifer. I just want to say that you are definitely someone, there needs to be more of you because I think in at least my experience, and, and Louisa will talk about this, but you know, in talking to Louisa and being involved with her event, a lot of women don't talk about, they don't get up and do something about it. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I'm really sorry what happened to you, but I also applaud you for what you've done. Thank you. Thank okay. you. okay, so Catherine, I'm gonna go to you. Hi, I also wanted to say thank you so much for creating this forum to talk about this issue right now. It's so important to talk about every day, but especially right now. Um, I too have a family history of domestic violence. I think so many people can come to this work through this, um, this doorway. Um, fortunately for me, my mother had the resources and the wherewithal uh, to be able to leave my father. And so I did not ultimately grow up in an abusive household. But as soon as I got to college, I started volunteering at the local domestic violence shelter. And that really, um, sort of framed my my work and my career from then until today. That's really been my entryway into doing victim work, which has been um, so pivotal and important for my entire life. Yeah, wow. Again, you know, it's it, that's what it is. We kind of have to take it into our own hands, you know? So okay. I applaud you as well. Okay, I'm gonna jump to Louisa. Louisa. Thank you. Thank you, Jasmine, for having me. Hi, ladies. Uh, nice uh, meeting you virtual. Uh, the new world. <laughs> so um, I got involved, you know, I, I do this beautiful galas to raise money for domestic violence and other women's issues and children. And, um, and people ask me like, why, why do you do that? For some reason at the beginning, um, I knew, but I didn't want to accept it to myself. Um, but when, oops, 
Sorry, we have a phone call. <laughs> when I, I really was looking to, um, inside, inside myself, inside why I'm doing this. So I grew up with my grandparents and I, I adore my grandparents. Um, I grew up in Venezuela. And my grandfather, um, unfortunately, um, abused my grandmother real bad. And sometimes we have to sleep on the street. And, um, and that I was, as, I was five years old. So that really, really got me. Um, so, but I didn't know how much. When I started doing my events, um, when I was, and, and I have an opportunity to give back to the community, I say, I wanted to do to domestic violence survival, yet I didn't know why. Uh, I remember my grandmother and I love my grandmother and she was, she is my hero. And she has 15 kids, one five. Can you imagine 15 children? <laughs> so, um, so in the first gala, I was not be able to talk about it. And, um, so I'm partnered with an organization called Safe Passage, which they have been working with domestic violence over 20 years. And the first year, I, I didn't talk about it. Uh, I led the organization to talk about it. Yet when people start asking me questions, I was not even ready to talk about it yet. So I have to go through the program to say passage to heal because it does affect you as a, as a little girl, as, as a child, it does affect you. So that's what I call my inspiration, my inspiration and my passion to work with domestic violence survivors come to offer opportunities to women, the opportunities that my grandmother never had. And yeah, I do what I do uh, in honor to my beloved grandmother. I love it. And um, God rest my grandmother's soul. I think our grandparents are so important to us, you know? Yeah, she saved me. Yeah. <laughs> but so I must say my grandmother, uh, she got the strength with 15 children to yeah. leave my grandfather. Can you imagine no, no an education? She has no education, yeah. no job. And she left my grandfather. I was eight years old and she never looked back. Yeah, strength. So I'm going to move on to the next question here. Um, so each of you represents a different type of audience um, from families to single women that are affected to coworkers. So I'd like each of you to talk about your specific organization or service like in two minutes or less, <laughs> who it helps and how. So I'm gonna start with Jennifer. Sure. Um, so as I mentioned, I work at the mayor's office and GBV and we are a mayoral office dedicated to coordinating New York City's delivery of services to domestic and gender-based violence. Um, so I report to a commissioner and that is our charge. Um, within my office, I oversee the city's kind of front-facing services that are called family justice centers. Um, there is five of them in New York City, one in every borough, um, and we serve anyone who identifies as a survivor of domestic or gender-based violence. Um, in my office, the staff that report to me coordinate those services at the centers, and they act as one-stop shopping centers, for lack of a better way to describe it. Um, and really, the, the goal is you can walk in without appointments, all services are free, and they are client-centered, meaning the client chooses what services they want to engage with, and that may be filing a police report if they feel like that would be um, 
um, would enhance their safety. Maybe they don't feel that would be, and they want to talk to a lawyer about filing for an order of protection or learning about their rights or doing safety planning. And so we will serve anyone, regardless of gender identity, regardless of income, it doesn't matter. Whoever identifies as experiencing domestic or gender-based violence, we're here for you in the city. And we partner with over 40 not-for-profits who provide those services in collaboration with the city at each of those centers. So are you, so when you say one-stop shop, you know, so if someone comes it, whether it's a, can it be anybody? I'm just quickly, you know, is it, a, uh, so if a woman comes, a man comes, a child comes in, doesn't really yeah. matter. And so, you're, you're kind yeah. of like, are you the resource point? So if exactly. they come, you can help them. Yeah, that's a great way of putting it, Jasmine. We're like a resource hub and we um, we can work with um, anyone adult who experiences it as if they're single or if they're in a family, we can help their children and we can help teens that may be experiencing teen dating violence. If a child came in without a parent, we would need to be working with parent, right? But as long as it's an adult seeking services, their children can also seek those services or teens. Okay, thank you very much. Yeah. Uh, Catherine. Who does your organization serve? Tell us about it a little bit. Yeah, so um, as you heard, I spent about 15 years advising the Justice Department on victim issues um, on a range of different topics. And about a year ago, I left DOJ and set up my own firm, which advises organizations, whether they be corporate, educational, or other um, government institutions on how they work with victims. Um, and that can be domestic violence. And certainly that is um, an issue. Every time I have talked to any corporate leader, domestic violence has come up because so many organizations are dealing with it. Um, as well as a range of other issues, like it could be workplace violence or stalking or um, fraud, even sexual harassment. Um, one of the things that I learned through working with all these different diverse types of crime is that trauma is fundamentally the same. You know, it can vary by degree. But when the crisis comes, like we are experiencing right now, we all sort of need the same things. And so that's my role is to help advise on what those things are. Um, I also have a book coming out next year, The Empathetic Workplace, Five Steps to a, let me get it right, Calm, Compassionate, and Confident Response to Trauma on the Job. So that's my role is really to help organizations um, respond effectively to trauma and victimization. Hmm. So I have a quick uh, just comment, a question for you there. So I noticed what I'm happy about in New York City right now is um, all of the resources that are being made available right now, specifically around mental health. Um, so that being said, you know, I'm just wondering, you know, Catherine and Jennifer, um, how do you tie into mental health services and what you do? Just Catherine, can you comment on that first? Yeah, absolutely. So um, one of the things that is so important when you're trying to support a workforce or um, members of the public who are going through a traumatic experience is to have a Rolodex of resources. And so I actually have, um, I've put together like a one pager of resources that are national in scope. I'm sure Jennifer has, I can't even imagine how many available to you in New York City. Um, but it's really important that um, I think uh, one of the things, particularly in domestic violence to keep in mind is we don't wanna come in and take over, right? So um, this person is already under the control of the abuser. We don't wanna come in and say, well, let me tell you what you have to do. And I'm gonna just make that call for you or I'm gonna set this up. We always have to remember that that um, abused person is in the best position to assess their safety and what steps they should be taking. So our role to support them is to provide them with resources that they need and want um, and to be continuing to support them on their path 
to safety and healing from this. Thank you. Jennifer, anything you want to add just on that point about mental health services? Sure. Um, I think it's a really important point and part of the kind of array of services that we offer at the Family Justice Centers includes a mental health services component. So we offer therapists and psychiatrists who specialize in trauma-informed counseling for survivors of domestic violence and gender-based violence. And then the city also has NYC Well, which I'm sure people, if, you, if you're listening in the city, you've heard of NYC Well, um, where you can text um, or call for mental health support 24 hours a day um, with crisis counselors. That's fantastic. Okay, Louisa, so can you talk about your organization specifically? Who have you seen it serve the most? Like who attends the galas? Who tends to reach out to you? Can you talk about that a little bit? Uh, okay, well, the organization is called Mi Amor Gaila, and you know, there's a what Mi Amor Gaila is, is a celebration of kindness. So we celebrate the great things that you all ladies are doing. So I, I celebrate kindness. So what I do with Safe is I raise money for them because I love what Safe is doing. I love the program. And one thing that um, she was talking, Catherine was talking about is it's extremely important that the lady is is ready to receive the information because you cannot make nobody to to change their life. We have we we can support as much, but all the work that has to be done is from here. So um, we give them all the support that she needs. We give them counseling. We have plastic surgeon um, as well because sometimes the women has been cut the faces or the teeth. Totally pro bono. This amazing doctor, they can fix their faces, they can fix their teeth. We give them counseling. We help with the self-esteem. We find, we help them to find a job. We help them to write the business plans. They are into business. So um, I love the program of Safe Passe, and that's what I do. I raise money. And, um, and you were in the gala, and Jasmine, and one of the things that Mi Amor Gala has is the empowerment fashion show where I celebrate the new beginning of these resilient ladies because I do believe in opportunities. And, um, and that's what I do and that's what I love to celebrate in the new beginning of this lady because we, we all need second chances and I do believe in opportunities. Yeah, I love it. And like, I, I did see that, I mean, you know, it's, that's how we aligned. And, you know, I love that your mission is helping women get back on their feet. And yes. I actually like to talk about the, the plastic surgery because it's important you know when you're you know when a woman is starting her new life coming from domestic violence whether it's as a teen or as a young woman that's a critical component of them feeling good about themselves so totally yes you know, it's just, like, and we, just yeah. so i just want to move on to the next question because okay. you know, it's really important and i just want to make sure we're on time we have a lot to cover today okay um, so the UN um, reported this week, and this actually, um, there was a lot of stats I've been reading. Um, there was a piece in the New York Times that I sent out um, that was fantastic. The journalist who wrote it, unfortunately, she couldn't be on today, but I'll send it over to, we'll send everybody a link on Facebook as well to this, this article um, on kind of deep research on what's happening right now. And when I was doing my research, you know, I found that the UN reported, because I wanted a global look, you know, that across the board globally, domestic violence surge has doubled within the time of COVID since its beginning. So um, it's obviously devastating. 
And it's getting, I would assume it's getting worse as more places go on lockdown, right? Like some of the states right now that aren't on lockdown that will go on lockdown. So I wanna understand what each of you are seeing and doing like on the front lines, action-based that's helped lessen or treat this problem. I'm gonna start with Jennifer. So uh, we are actually answering phone calls um, from nine to, uh, although our family justice centers had to physically close because the city has directed us all to stay at home for our own safety. Um, we are still here and we're still available and we're answering um, our, our main line from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. live like a hotline um, and we're able to serve survivors in the same way we would have served them if they came into our building. So we're hearing from survivors um, who are telling us that they need help, right? They're staying at homes with abusive partners. We're having to do safety planning over the phone for when we're able to call them back, um, you know, giving them advice like perhaps if you have a dog, take the dog for a walk and we can talk to you, right? Or go into the bathroom and, and run the water and, you know, things like that so that they can have these safe conversations um, and so we're still able we're hearing from survivors on the ground we're also making sure that we're spreading awareness in New York City that the city is here the city is here with resources our centers are open remotely 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. our hotline is open 24 hours safe horizon runs that in the city and then we have a domestic violence web-based portal that I would encourage everyone to check out it's called NYC hope super easy to remember and we've been pushing that out through text alerts in the city so we did yeah, a I got I got the Yay, that makes me happy. Um, we're going to try to do that weekly. And we're seeing those numbers of visits like skyrocket um, from where we were pre-COVID. Um, so there's been a couple of articles that we've um, done in the media talking about that thus far. And so we're, we're hoping that people will be able to find those resources through our portal. And then we'll be able to continue to serve survivors through our hotlines and our shelter system, which is still open, as well as um, our family justice centers and our community organizations. Okay, so one question I'd like to ask Jennifer to you on sure. this. Are you any, are you seeing, because I'm right now in Queens, mm -hmm. <laughs> so it's crazy. So are you seeing any area that's more affected, any gender, like anything on stats, like what's happening? Yeah. We want to know what's happening, you know? Sure. Um, we haven't, you know, we're getting the stats kind of every day from the center about the number of calls and we're fielding about anywhere from like 45 to 75 calls a day from across the five family justice centers. Um, and it primarily lines up stat-wise with, with what we saw before, which is about 80, 85% of our clients identify as female um, and the others identify as male. So the gender is pretty much lining up. We haven't been able to dig deep yet into like the demographic, um, but we're getting those calls in every single borough. So we're seeing that this is impacting the whole city. Oh, geez. And do you think, and just one more question, do you think that, and this could get into a bigger topic, but do you think that the cases that you're getting now were, are they new domestic violence cases? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Is it happening because of COVID and staying home? Or do you think, or do you know if they were, if the domestic violence was happening before and now it's just escalating? You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I think it's a great question. We are seeing a mix of clients calling our main lines at the centers that were already engaged in services, right? And so we're reconnecting them to legal organizations and counseling agencies and maybe the police if they had wanted and felt safe to make a report. But we are seeing about, you know, we're seeing new callers call in for help as well. And we're seeing people call in where things are definitely exacerbated by the fact that you, the isolation is going up, right? You're not able to get go home and the anxiety and stress from maybe losing jobs and not having financial support. So we are hearing that from survivors. Um, so I don't necessarily think it's that 
a new case of domestic violence is occurring. I think though that um, the situation is exacerbated because of the fact that people are, are being directed for their own safety to be staying at home. Yeah, okay, all right, so I'm gonna move on. So uh, Catherine, what, what are you seeing there? I mean, you're in a different state, so in a different city, so we would love to know kind of what's going on there. What are you seeing? Yeah, I'm, I'm hearing the same thing, you know, that um, the shelters are still operating, they're still supporting survivors, they're trying their hardest to offer the same range of services. Some of the courts are, are you can't go into court, um, but most of the judges are offering telephonic hearings and so you can still get restraining orders. Um, but it's just an uptick. I'm hearing, you know, roughly 20% more calls and outreach texts uh, for support right now um, since the coronavirus started. One of the things as well that I think um, we should give some thought to is how the economics is impacting things. Yeah, I was gonna ask about that. I was gonna ask about, I don't know who this is to, but I was gonna ask, and I'm more city services, I would assume, but you know, what is the reprieve that's give, being given? Because um, couples get divorced because most, you know, stats say, or fight because of financial issues. So what is being done to help people financially? Because I think finance and domestic violence kind of go hand in hand. So I don't know if there's anything any of you can talk about from that perspective. Jennifer, is there anything you can talk about there? Yeah, I mean, we've been getting calls from survivors who have really good, concrete questions about, am I getting that stimulus check that the federal government talked about, right? Um, you know, can I still apply for public assistance? Um, you know, can I apply for food stamps? And so we are able to offer remote services over the phone and help people apply for some of those services online um, because the city has changed. We've all had to change the way that our services are actually working now, right? Service provision. Um, so we've been able to do that. And we actually have a relationship with some financial planning associations and we've been able to like ask them questions because I don't know about all of you but I am not a financial expert <laughs> um, and so we need to partner with people that have that you know knowledge base and so we've been able to leverage some of those partnerships as well that we're really grateful for. Yeah that's great I feel like um, you know certainly with healthcare is um, all of the restrictions just so anybody knows who's listening have been completely lifted when it comes to healthcare. I'm a small business owner that's why I know that um, but I was thinking, you know, also food stamps and housing and, and all of these things, I, I would imagine the services have changed. And so people should call for help. Right. Okay, good. Um, Catherine, was there anything else you wanted to say? I didn't mean to cut oh, you off. I was just going to talk about the challenge of people have lost their jobs, getting health insurance, um, the, um, you know, their own concerns about being able to control their money. Are they going to get the check or is their um, partner going to control that for them? Um, it can be a very, very scary time um, when you feel precarious already financially um, to then have a giant economic um, uh, sort of seismic shift like we're experiencing right now can throw everything up in, up in the air and, and just cause further conflict and further insecurity. Yeah, no, you're, I, seismic is definitely the word and no one knows what's truly going to happen, but the economy you know, we want to put it on hold, but we, it's hard to. And so I'm really happy that cities are stepping it up and governments are setting, stepping it up. And also in the private sector, a lot of companies are stepping it up. Yes. And, and that's important. So Louisa, let me give you your couple of minutes here. Um, so, you know, what are you seeing? You know, have, um, you know, I know that you have a community mm -hmm. 
Mm -hmm. um, anything from your community that you want to talk about what's happening there? Uh, to add, uh, I agree with Jennifer. Oh. I'm going to add to that. Uh, we are receiving more calls. We are receiving safe passes, receiving more calls. Also, we are continuing, um, safe passes continuing to the counseling, the virtual counseling. We are doing it. So it's extremely important for the ladies, you know, to receive that counsel. Um, and one of the things I wanted to add uh, that is uh, becoming such a crisis to, I think this is um, it's going to be like a, a, a new pandemic that is the domestic violence uh, to women and children through this isolation. Um, it's like um, a, a shadow, it's like a, you know, it's, it's going to like under, <laughs> it's like under and it's going to explode very big if we don't really do something about it because the abuser have a lot of them has lost their job as both of you were mentioning. And also they are drinking, they are yeah. drinking at home mm. and uh, they, they are the women and children are at risk to receive all the violence. And where do they go? One of the things I wanted to ask, I don't know if I allowed to ask Jennifer, but um, what, where did they go? Because I was reading an article that they are saying that right now the court are not working here in New York. They are very limited hours. So women cannot really pursue the, res uh, the restriction order. So where did they go? What do they do? Yeah. That's yeah, and Jasmine is okay. I can answer that. So we are actually, you're totally right, Louisa, that physical buildings are closed, um, but New York State actually is operating virtual courts um, and they are operating those for certain categories of cases. And one of those categories of cases is if someone is seeking a temporary order of protection. Um, and so they can still hear those cases via phone. Um, and there is information I'd be happy to share with Jasmine so it gets out there because I don't, I think I'm so happy you raised it. I think it's so important for people to know this. And if people call our family justice centers from nine to five, we can actually connect clients um, with attorneys who can possibly draft those petitions and appear on their behalf, and they can at least get a legal consultation. So um, so it is still available, but I, I think that just happened within the last week or so, and so I think it's really important that we get the word out about that. Yes, because we are we are in the position, we're receiving a lot of phone calls, and women are afraid, but they don't know where to go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we can definitely share that information. That's great. No, I'm, I'm glad you asked that, Louisa and Jennifer. We'll provide that to everybody listening. So that actually gets into my next question. Um, so, you know, I, I usually when I do a Warrior Women in Business podcast, just so you know, it's just like me and one other person. <laughs> so, and I always ask what defines a warrior woman in a warrior, what, what do you think a warrior woman is, right? But in this case, um, I really want to understand, because I think a warrior woman in this case, is a woman that supports another woman or supports another uh, supports someone who's being a victim of domestic violence. So I, I just want to understand um, what advice would you have to someone like a neighbor, let's say, that hears it going on. Like, what did they do? I'm going to start with you, Jennifer. 
Um, so my advice would be that to be a warrior woman in this situation and to, you know, it's to be informed and educated and really take the time to understand how to support your neighbor. Um, I think we're a little bit challenged by our social distancing, you know, guidance um, because we're not supposed to be within six feet of each other. Um, and everything you want to do to help could possibly actually not be helpful if you're not first checking with the person, right, who's going through that abuse. Um, so you may think it's helpful to stick a flyer under someone's door, but actually that might make it worse if the abusive partner sees that, right, and then is questioning why is that flyer there. So I think if we're not dealing with social distancing times, I think the most important thing to do is to educate yourself. Um, in this social distancing world, I think you can put up information about services on your apartment boards by mailboxes, right, because people People are yeah. still allowed to get exercise, right? So I think empower yourself about resources. We have a ton of them on NYC Hope. We have an updated page of resources for survivors um, and make sure people know the city's hotline number, right? And NYC Hope. And that's to me being a real warrior and being aware of this issue right now. I love it. Yeah, putting it up in your neighborhood, right? Yeah. In the neighborhood. And in you know, New York City is mainly buildings with mailboxes. Exactly. I love that. Um, <laughs> thank you. Catherine, what do you have to say on that? Yeah, I agree with all of that. I think it's important to remember that the survivor has to be the expert on her own safety. So don't feel like it's your job to kind of swoop in and do something because you don't know the full context of everything that she's dealing with. Um, but I think anything you can do to show yourself to be a listening ear, to listen, listen, listen without judgment, um, because often what people need is an escape valve. They need to, a chance to be able to talk about it to somebody who's not going to harangue them or judge them for it. So all of that is phenomenal. Um, more resources um, outside of New York, because you guys are, <laughs> you have so much there, but also um, Futures Without Violence is um, a national organization and they have a phenomenal phenomenal list of resources on their website right now. It's futureswithoutviolence.org. Um, I would also say if you are supporting somebody who is um, experiencing domestic violence, remember to take care of yourself as well, because it is really hard and scary and upsetting and you don't know what to do and you're worried um, that you're doing the wrong thing. Those hotlines, I mean, there's the National Domestic Violence Hotline. You can um, also go online to the hotline.org. Um, they're available to you too. It's doesn't, it's not only for the person who's in the abusive relationship, you can go on and they will brainstorm with you, they'll share resources, they'll support you as well. So remember to take care of yourself as you're taking care of others. Yeah, I love that you said that. Just one quick thing before I go to Lisa, um, how I actually got in touch with the mayor's office is I called the National Domestic Violence Hotline and they were just, the woman was on the phone with me for about an hour, just, you know, talking to me about different resources and how someone that's not directly affected by domestic violence can get educated. So I'm glad you brought those resources up. Again, any resources we talk about, we will list them in Warrior Women in Business, just if anybody's listening needs these resources. So Louisa, um, can you talk about that, you know, a little bit in terms mm -hmm. of what have you seen and what's your advice on that? Yes, uh, first I wanted to say what I think is a warrior woman, a warrior woman, and it's um, that one that, not only fight for herself, but for others. So that's where I believe that that's a true mm -hmm. warrior woman, right? It's out there. Um, so with that said, I think we all have heard of a friend of a friend um, that has been abused by her boyfriend or partner. Um, so 
is important right now in this um, self-quarantine, let's check, let's send an email, a, a text message, let's FaceTime there to see how, you know, when you see someone, because we can send a text okay. and she say, I'm fine. But when you see it, we know, like if they have a, you know, um, hit on her face and blue eye. So it's extremely important just that act of kindness to check on someone that you think that might be in this situation that you hear about it. And also, if you know this person is not answering to you for no circumstances, she's not texting you back, she's not calling you back, mm -hmm. and her boyfriend or partner answered the phone, I think that you should call the hotline. And I say, listen, um, I am worried about this specific person. I'm not sure what's going on, but I'm worried about it. Um, and they are anonymous. They will not disclose who you are. Right, Jennifer? They will not disclose this information. So I think that it's extremely important where we have to, we need to come together and reach to people, people that we know, people that we hear about it. And the most important is spread the information because we might be able to save a life. Yeah, thank you. That was excellent, Louisa. Thank you. Um, so for listeners or people that are watching us now, they want to volunteer. I don't know, I'll start with you, Jennifer. How can people volunteer um, for your organization or other organizations in the city? So that's a bit of a challenging question just because of our current COVID situation. Right. Oh, in general. <laughs> yeah, in general, um, we do take volunteers at the centers. Um, we love volunteers. Um, we often have our volunteers start unique programs based on their skill set. So we run a computer time program, for example, where we help people with resumes and um, looking for jobs. And we have volunteers that help us with that. And so um, people can reach out and I'll provide my contact information, um, but we can um, kind of go from there um, because we're always looking for volunteers to help. And I think in general, Jasmine, just what we said, like educating yourself about this issue and how you can best support people and and be kind like Louisa said and do it in a way that doesn't endanger someone's safety and respects their choices is really something all of us can do right and so I would encourage you to read our website at NYC Hope and to educate yourself about how you can be a warrior woman and really support people generally right um, not just to go to a center and support somebody right and you know it seems like it's a you have to be educated. It's almost like you have to be certified in a way because, right? Am I right? Because it's not something mm -hmm. like saying, I want to volunteer and be a healthcare worker, which I do right now. I see. Yeah. yeah. And I want to run outside. And I'm like, yeah. but I, I'm not a healthcare worker. Right. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. That's so, a really good point. Yeah. yeah. I think people, you know, as some, I, one, one of us said, <laughs> you know, people really want to help, but, um, you know, it can be frustrating if you want to help in the way you think this should work doesn't, isn't actually what the person wants, right? Like if you're saying, well, you should call the police and then someone's going to say, well, actually, I think that might make it riskier for me. And that can frustrate people, right? Um, and so it's really about learning how to give help in a non-judgmental and supportive way. And that can be challenging. Um, and so I think you're right. You need to kind of have that training. Um, and we do offer free training at the Family Justice Centers and we require training of everybody who works on site at our centers because of that exact reason. Thank you. Uh, Catherine, you have anything to add to that? 
Yeah, I mean, so I, um, you know, started doing victim work through working on a domestic violence hotline. Um, I think it is a tremendous experience. If anybody is at all interested, I advise you to go through the training and do it. It is really just an incredibly um, empowering and um, really, really impactful experience. Um, to find your local domestic violence shelters, there's a website, domesticshelters.org, and you just type in your zip code and you can find whoever your local shelter is. And then you could just give them a call. Um, you know, I would suggest maybe calling their business line or emailing them to find out about trainings. Probably not happening right this second, right? Um, but you could get in there for the next training. Um, and then in terms of other things that we can do just in our daily lives, any kinds of groups, sororities, organizations, your workplace, any groups that you're involved with, um, do what you can to talk about domestic violence. It is so much more common than people realize. Like, right. Recent stats are one in three people have experienced some sort of intimate partner violence. So I think people don't recognize, they think, well, it couldn't be somebody in my sorority. Well, yeah, it probably could. Um, so do what you can to get the word out about resources, show that you care that this is an important issue and you're a supportive um, listening friend. I think um, we have so much power to help each other um, every day just through those kinds of conversations. I love that. Uh, one thing I want to add to that, that I think we really, and we're not going to have a lot of time to talk about it, but, you know, so people, we're talking a lot about the women that are affected, um, but because we are in isolation, people are, people's tempers are getting shorter, I found, in general. You don't have that release point in life. And I think, so getting everybody educated, not that it's just domestic violence for women or couples, I think it's much bigger than that. And that's why I thought this was an urgent show today to talk about what are the resources, and these ladies are amazing giving us all these resources, but I want the audience to know that this isn't just about a, a man and a woman. This is, this is a population issue. And so I think that they really should take advantage of the resources. Um, Luisa, you wanna add anything to that on volunteering? Yes, yes, definitely. You know, during this pandemic, uh, one good thing that's coming um, is humanity. People are coming together. And I love that, you know, because you sometimes you think people are not kind and yes, they are kind. And during this crisis, they are showing it to us and it's beautiful. So right now what we can do, um, someone wants to be part uh, to spread the message, spread the message. We need influencers to spread the message. Even if just, they just communicate the hotline. Uh, the nationwide hotline, the New York hotline. So just even that, you will be able to help someone. And also if you are a professional, you are a counselor, we can do virtual counsel. Uh, you, can be, you can counsel someone. So call the organization and maybe the organization tell you, tell you and um, as, uh, advise you what are the norms to follow through how to how to counsel someone a survivor of domestic violence. But I believe that a lot of people can help right now. If you are home and you feel like you are bored, which you shouldn't be bored. I know we are 24 seven at home. I'm here 24 seven with my husband. We are still not getting into each other's toes, but we might, who knows? <laughs> but what I'm seeing is there is so much you can do and you can help even though in through this new world that is the virtual world. So, yes. Yeah. Even, even what you were talking about, Louisa, practicing kindness is an action. Yeah. 
You know what I mean? I feel like just even that, just thinking twice before you blow up at somebody or you, you know, you, you're stressed out because you lost your job, you have no money and all this and that. You know, I think the first step is humanity. So I'm really glad that you brought that up. Totally, totally. And one thing, Jasmine, that we and Catherine and uh, Jennifer, it is beautiful. And I'm so pleased to repeat that again because I do believe in kindness. And I see such an enormous snowball of kindness going on to the world. You know, designers, Chanel, who, who makes, of course, couture gown, they're making masks. You know, manufacturing, they're doing this mask. We're doing so this is amazing. I, I, I love this snowball of kindness that's going through the world. Yeah, I do too. That's, that's, a, that's the only good thing that's going on because as we know, this is a tragedy. But um, yeah, every strategy has a positive side. Well, I thank you so much. I, I really agree. And um, I think that has to do with, the, to use the word seismic, Catherine, because I love it because it, it really is a seismic change in what's happening in the world. You know, you talked about uh, a lot of these companies like Tesla, yes. Medtronic that used to be a client of mine. I love what they're doing. Eli Lilly, a lot of companies that I know that are kind of saying, all right, let's shut down our operations and let's yes. think about how we're going to help the human race. So I love it. I think I that just the, the act of that will ripple and change things as we move forward. So um, that being said, we're at about 4.47. I just want to make a quick announcement and then we're going to go into Facebook uh, questions. Um, Molly is going to be moderating, the, uh, bringing those in. So um, again, I want to thank all of you for, for being on. I think this is such, such an important topic. And last fall, you know, I thought, okay, I did my part. I had an event or it's part of Luis's event. I'm doing things. And now I'm thinking, okay, what am I going to do next quarter? But this is still such an issue and it's, it's, it's growing. So um, as, a, as a quick announcement, um, Warrior Women in Business produces events and they are events that have um, education on the business end of things for female entrepreneurs, also entertainment. Um, and also we do always do something to raise awareness and money for a specific organization, a nonprofit. So we have an event that's now been rescheduled three times, kind of driving me absolutely insane, <laughs> but um, it's hard work. But, um, but we are having an event, uh, we have the venue. So on May 25th, we are having our Warrior Women in Business Next event at the People's Improv Theater. Catherine, you're welcome. It's only a bus ride away <laughs> in New York City. And so the event will be, um, I have some top, top women in female leadership and speaking coming in. So it'll be educational, be entertainment, and on the entertainment end um, and a portion of all the ticket proceeds, we're looking to give again to domestic violence support because it continues to be an issue. And I, I want anybody that's listening to know like that what all of them are saying that this isn't just about, it's just a little thing that's happening over there and no, it's affecting humanity. So really, really important. Okay, so with that being said, um, I'm gonna to go to Molly and see if she has any questions that are coming from Facebook that she can chat into our window here. And this may take a minute. Okay, so I'm just gonna, um, I'm gonna read out some questions and then we'll go around. So if I wanna get my local women's group to raise awareness, an awesome question um for domestic violence and to start to talk about domestic violence 
how would you recommend I do that? So she has a local women's group um, and she wants to get them involved. So I'll start with Jennifer. Sure. Um, so uh, here in New York City, if, if you're in New York City, um, you could reach out to me. Um, my office actually offers presentations and trainings and workshops. We'd be happy to come to you and do that um, and talk to you about the issues and learn more about how you'd like to, su to support um, this issue and brainstorm with you um, if there are things you'd like to do um, in collaboration with us. Great. So again, um, after the show, we'll be providing to anybody that's tuned in or wants the information your information and thank you for that. Catherine, do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, so let me tell you about something that our neighborhood does that I'm so psyched about. We have a neighborhood, what we call a giving group. And um, every quarter a family hosts an event that is you know, often like a nighttime party or something, but it's a fundraiser for a particular organization. And so, you know, obviously we can't do it right now, but <laughs> whatever the stay at home orders are lifted, Think about it. I mean, so it was so much fun. We did um, the House of Ruth, which is our local domestic violence shelter. Somebody from the shelter came and spoke to um, all of our neighbors about the issue of domestic violence and how to get involved. A number of the neighbors have continued their relationship with House of Ruth because of that. Um, and it was just such a, a really wonderful way to raise awareness in a way that was really fun for people. Um, so, and it's something that just your own organization can do. It's not gonna be, I'm sure, as classy as some of the, the galas that <laughs> Louisa is throwing, but just for something that your own organization can do, it, it might be fun. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Well, is it, um, I would love to have, uh, fabulous ladies who would like to be part of my gala this year. Well, I'm thinking about, I know, I do not know if we are going to be able to go and have a big gala this year. They are saying that we might not be able to have this big gathering, yeah. but uh, I would love to hear from you. Send me an email and you're going to put my information there. Yeah. Uh, LuisaDiaz.com, send me an email uh, for me Amor Gala. And we will love to have you to help us to raise money for domestic violence survivors. And besides doing this amazing work and making it so, a difference in someone else's life, the event is fabulous, it's beautiful. And so you accomplish to say you enjoy the event at the same time you feel good that you are helping someone else's life. Yes, thank you. Okay, um, Trish from Safe Passage, whom you know, Luisa. And yes. Mark. She just put a comment and said that she's grateful, just so you know, all know, for what for what we're doing and we're making a difference. So yes, she's uh, she's so grateful and she knows that I'm here with you, and she's the founder of Safe Pass and I've been working with them for six years. I mentioned before, and she's going to be here next year. So as well, uh, this year, not next year, this year. So I'm going to put the website Safe Passes Heels for anyone as well who is in California and who would like to be directly working with the Safe Passage and with this amazing program that they have. Okay, great. And then the trailing question for that, Louisa, is for you, do you take volunteers for your gala? Yes, I do, totally. I would love to be, as I, as I mentioned, these amazing ladies who want to help me to organize these galas. Yes, I take volunteers. <laughs> yeah, I think we all love volunteers. Yeah, yes, we all love volunteers. Making a difference. And I found the people are involved with my events 
you know, I just think that's what it is. It's, it's, they feel like they're making a difference and they want to continue, you know? Yes. Well, you know, um, mi amor Gaila, um, yes, are pure volunteers. Oh, pure volunteer, pure passion. I didn't have no money at all to start this gala six years ago. And it was, but I was passionate about it. And I've been, um, my friends and friends of their friends and friends of their friends. And I have like 200 people in this beautiful gala and I have so many volunteers. It was amazing. So I call it a snowball of kindness. So I do believe in volunteers. I do believe in kindness. Absolutely. Um, anything else, Molly? Any other questions do we have out there on Facebook? People are shy. They usually come <laughs> after. Okay, I think that's all the questions we have for now, which is fine because we are nearing five o'clock. Um, so again, I wanted to thank you all so much for being on. And again, thank you. So I thank you. our event that we're doing May 25 at the People's Improv Theater. I'd love if all of you can be can attend, be involved. We're going to be raising money. We're going to be supporting. We're going to be talking about the, this topic. In fact, um, on the entertainment segment, we I do have um, a playwright. I have a lot of female playwrights that write to me, and I have one that just finished a play on um, sexual abuse in the military. So she might be doing a reading. It's just something we're all passionate about. It. So again, May twenty fifth. All that information is on the Warrior Women in business page um, for the audience on Facebook. I will be providing and, and Molly will be providing all of the resource links that these ladies gave us. Really important, it was NYC Hope, yeah? NYC Hope, yeah. Um, for our local folks and Catherine, what was the one group that you, what's one group that you would say is most important for people to know about on your end? Futures Without Violence, because they have a link to all the other resources. Okay, great. So, um, so we'll be providing all of this information. And again, I want to thank you, ladies. Um, again, you know, my mission here is to help not just, again, it's a bigger, it's a bigger issue. And I think, you know, you, you all provided such great content today and information. And I, I hope that the people listening take action and they're warrior women as well. <laughs> so again, uh, thank you all very much. And thank you. We're thank, off. You. Thank, you. thank you. Thank you, Dali, for having me. And thank you. Nice to meeting you, ladies, Kathleen and Jess. Okay, thank you. Signing Thanks, off man. from Warrior Women in Business, episode 22. Tune in uh, next week for episode 23. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.